be 1 Peter chapter 4, or using your mobile devices, but that is where we are going to be this morning. Uh, it's been quite a journey over the last few weeks, and uh, there have been some heavy sermons that we've kind of been working through and hearing what the Lord has been saying to us. Uh, some of them have been uh, quite uh, weighty, and unfortunately, you know, we're not getting a Sunday off this morning. This passage that we are going to go through this morning highlights one of the hardest things for people to kind of get their heads around when it comes to Christianity. And as uh, I've been a pastor for a number of years, this question and, and what we're going to be dealing with this morning comes up time and time again. And in fact, uh, this is, for me in my experience, uh, what we're going to deal with today, one of the major reasons why people struggle with the things of God and what hinder uh, them coming to faith in Him. And this morning, this might be something that you yourself uh, are working through or struggling to process. And it's the question of suffering. I've heard it phrased a number of different ways, but, but people have asked me, Craig, I don't believe in God because I can't understand why a good God would allow bad things to happen. If God is good, why is there so much bad happening in the world are ways that people have phrased this question. And I'm well aware that you might be wrestling through that this morning. Maybe because of things that have happened to you or to people that you love. And this morning, this is what we are going to be dealing with. And because it is such a sensitive issue, why don't we uh, just commit this uh, briefly to the Lord Father God. I'm thankful for your word. I'm so thankful that uh, your word speaks to us. And this morning, as we're going to be uh, going through a sensitive thing, I'm just aware of how many of us this morning might be going through so many different things. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would already now just starting to minister to all of us this morning. Amen. Again, not to uh, be insensitive to what any of us might be going through this morning, but I am excited about what God has to say in his word about uh, suffering. And it's also important that we remind ourselves of the context of 1 Peter. Because one of the mistakes that we might make this morning is by saying, uh, Craig, this doesn't have impact on my life because you have no idea what I'm actually going through. And while I myself have had uh, some deep waters that I've had to go through, I've yet to experience what the believers were going through in 1 Peter. And let's just remind ourselves about that. Remember, this is a church that are called the scattered. They're called exiles. Because of the fact that Rome was ruling at the time, and the emperor was Nero, and he brought a number of programs of violence against believers. And so much so, that violence caused them to scatter and to run. That some of the suffering and the persecution that they dealt with was that on a daily basis, they feared for their lives. This church is what uh, is now um, modern-day Western Turkey. That's where uh, these believers were, the, that Peter wrote to them. That's where they were living. And you can go and visit, and you can visit 
caves and networks of caves where believers fled persecution to go and hide uh, for the safety of their own lives. In fact, some of the practices of the day and how towns were set up is that you had one entrance and one exit from a town. And if you wanted to go into the markets and if you wanted to do your grocery shopping, you would have to go in and you'd first have to go through a Roman temple. And there you would have to worship the statue of whatever emperor had decided that he was God. And the way that you would worship was by dipping your right hand, right hand, into some dye. And maybe you'd have to touch your forehead or touch the statue. And then you could go into the market. And of course, because of uh, advances in a number of things, uh, right hand was used for shopping, uh, left hand was used for uh, hygiene and, and certain things like that. So when you were in a market, uh, your right hand was what you used to shop with and, and trade goods. And you wouldn't be able to buy anything unless there was evidence that you had worshipped because there would have been da on your hands. Now imagine what it was like for a believer to have to go and buy essential goods at the markets. Uh, You would be forced to go without or be forced to worship. And again, it would be quite evident to everyone if you uh, were a believer and you refused to worship the emperor because everyone would know uh, by the lack of dye on your hands. That was a daily reality for believers. We know some of the things that Uh, Emperor Nero did for fun, which was just to take believers, dip them in tar, stick them on a stake to light up his garden parties. Uh, We know that believers were used as sports and entertainment uh, in Colosseums where they would be dressed in uh, sheep's wool and goat's wool and be sport for hungry lions to give the crowd a laugh. That's what the cost came at being a believer at the time of the writing of 1 Peter. When he is talking about suffering and suffering as a believer, that is the context in which he's encouraging them um, to live out their faith. And not to make light of what we are going through, but perspective is always very helpful to us. And so Peter does know what he's talking about when he is talking about some of the suffering that believers face in this world. So with that in mind, let us read From verse 12 of chapter 4. And he says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Uh, One of your translations might say fiery trial. And again, in light of Christians actually being burnt alive. The fiery trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed But praise God that you bear that name. So people battle with suffering. And we're aware of that. We know how hard that is uh, for people outside of um, the church and Christianity to kind of wrap their heads around. But even people inside the church really struggle with uh, what happens when believers suffer. And I want to spend a few minutes this morning uh, just speaking into that. 
because there are expressions of Christianity, and maybe you have uh, witnessed this at some point in your life, who believe that there are a number of extra things that are included in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you've heard it as the prosperity gospel. Uh, maybe you've heard it as the, uh, the wealth and health uh, gospel. Uh, they claim verses like every spiritual blessing in Christ. And uh, there are people who teach and encourage that there is no suffering or there should be no suffering in the life of a believer. That if you are sick, it is because uh, you have done something wrong. Uh, that maybe there is hidden sin in your life. Uh, that is the reason why uh, you are sick. And if you are not getting better, it is because you lack faith. And if uh, you come into a position where you are lacking financial wealth, it is because, again, you obviously have no faith. You don't know how to trust God. You might not even be saved. Or, again, there's secret sin in your life. A friend of mine. Uh, she gave birth to a son who um, was born with cerebral palsy. Before she had left the hospital, the elders of the church arrived at her bed and said to her, clearly, God is exposing the secret sin in your heart. And this is how he has punished you. Either you confess your sin or you must leave the church. That is of a number of stories that I have heard and have witnessed where people just can't get their head around this thing that Christians can go through at tough times, that suffering can be part of a believer. And maybe not as extreme as that, uh, maybe something that you have kind of wrestled with in your life, but a lot of people struggle with this. And because of just bad teaching and real bad Christians, many believers believe that when a bad thing happens, when a hardship comes to their life, it is because God is angry with them. Or that God is uh, showing his wrath or his displeasure to a person. And therefore I've met a number of believers say to me, Craig, I'm going through this. Why does God not love me anymore? Or what have I done that God is being so angry at me? Please don't ever say that to someone. When they are going through a hard time. God never pours out his wrath and anger on a believer. And the reason is because all his wrath and anger was poured on Jesus Christ. Jesus was our sin offering. And when he went to the cross, as he bore my sin and shame, when he bore your sin and shame, it was there that Jesus dealt with the wrath of God. If you sometimes wonder, why was his beating so severe? Why was it such an extreme thing? Because uh, sin had to be dealt with. God's wrath had to be dealt with. And God chose not to pour out his wrath on everyone who deserved it, but chose to pour out his wrath on the one who didn't deserve it, who stood in your place, who stood in my place. And that was where God's wrath was dealt with. And so from that point on, those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ do not ever experience God's wrath. God never punishes a believer. Punish Jesus for my sin, for your sin. And his wrath was dealt with 
at the cross. And so it's quite important for us to realize that as we're going to deal with suffering, as you try to come to terms with the things that are maybe going in your life and around uh, the people around you, the one thing that it is not is God's anger at you or his wrath. That's really important for us to wrap our heads around. But then, why aren't we blessed? Or, or what is the, the kind of the role of blessing? And, and again, you've, we love to say this as Christians, be blessed. What, is, what does that mean? Again, it's very dangerous for us as believers to appropriate the blessings of God to material positions and health and wealth. The moment we start doing that, we go into some dangerous, dangerous territory. Because if you carry out that thinking, okay, well, I'm in a really resourced church. Um, our church is sitting with a really nice, healthy bank account. We own, uh, God's blessing is obviously on us as a church. But then what are we saying about the church that has uh, not a single employed person in the entire congregation? What are we saying about that church? What are we saying about the church that's underground in North Korea, the, the believers that are in labor camps that are being killed because they believe in Jesus. What are we saying about those believers in those churches if we're saying that if you are not blessed, like God's favor is not on you? The first church I ever had the privilege of preaching at, I was led on foot by landmine trackers in Mozambique the church uh, had a cashew nut tree as their only possessions. And there were a handful of Bibles amongst the entire congregation. No electricity, no sanitation, no building, no kids ministry, no resources, no bank accounts. All they had was landmine trackers and a cashew nut tree. And God was doing amazing things in that church. We go into dangerous territory if we equate the blessings of God and his favor on our lives, if we only appropriate it to our health and to material blessings, because we discredit what God is doing in the lives of millions of believers who are living in abject poverty, who are underground because of the fear of their lives, who if they expose themselves, their entire families uh, face death. We really don't believe and hold strongly to that prosperity gospel uh, because it is so dangerous to miss what is happening in our lives. Verse 13, just to remind ourselves of that. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I love what Peter is saying here. He says, do not be surprised and that as you participate in the sufferings. And this is something that we can maybe miss. Suffering is part of the believer's life. If you want to write down some other references, have a look what Jesus says to the disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. 
Jesus speaking to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. James talks about suffering. Paul talks about suffering. We're aware that every single one of the disciples of Jesus Christ experienced incredible suffering and persecution. Uh, South Africans have a great sporting culture, and so we can identify with uh, these analogies. But um, I, I love rugby. That is my sport of choice. And please uh, keep comments uh, to yourself with this. I support the Sharks. And um, a few claps. Shark supporters are the worst because we make a lot of noise when our team is winning. Man, when the Sharks are winning, the Shark supporters are out in full force and everybody knows um, where the Shark supporters are. When we are losing, you can't find us anywhere. And we are terribly fickle when it comes to supporting our team. But when it comes to suffering, this is, this is the reality of it. And why we uh, experience hardship as believers is because in it we get to share in everything that is in Jesus. Just as we love a winning team and we quiet when there's a losing team or our team is losing. We love to talk about how blessed we are when things are going well. But as soon as things start going badly, we go, where is God? Why don't you love me? What's going wrong? Except when we think about what we have in Christ, we think of the grace that we have received. And I've put this up there. There's a great acronym for the word grace that helps in our perspective. It'll come up on there. But grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you ever thought how much it cost Jesus to secure our salvation, to be that sin offering. We think of the night before how he was sweating blood as he was getting his heart and his mind ready for the crucifixion. We know that there was a word that was created to explain the crucifixion, and that's the word excruciating. There was nothing as painful as that, that they had to invent a word, excruciating. What we received was justification for our sin. What we received was the righteousness of Christ. What we received in that moment was adoption into his family, that I am called a son and you're called a daughter of God. That we receive eternity when we should have received that. But the joy of that is if we get to celebrate and rejoice in what we have in the riches of Christ, the joy is that we also get to celebrate and take part in the sufferings of Christ. And this is the reality for us, and this might be new to you, but for us to, to, to share in the glory of Christ, we also share in his sufferings. And that is why Peter calls it a joy. And we're going to come to a few verses later while Paul writes it a joy to share in the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ because I get to know him more. That what a joy for me to celebrate in his glory, but also what a joy to celebrate in his sufferings. You know, we 
really helpful for us to get that perspective of suffering right. So I want to share a couple of quotes with you. And this is the kind of the right place of suffering. If you can bring up the first one, please. I love this by John Piper. The quickest way to our heart is through a wound. Because when we do experience suffering, what starts to happen is what our heart really loves is exposed. Maybe a question to ask ourselves this morning is, is the gospel enough for me? If you want to write something down, write this down to think over in the week. Is the gospel enough for me? We're quite driven by um, wealth and possessions as a world and as a society and uh, look, I mean, it's a flawed analogy, but if unlimited wealth and prosperity uh, was one choice before you and your salvation as the other choice, if we're honest, I know we'll be hard-pressed looking at, at the comforts of this life and to be free from any sort of hardship, any sort of strain, um, any sort of risk that comes with this life. But in all of this, uh, I really do think it exposes what does our heart love most? And what do we trust most? And is the gospel enough for me? Because when suffering comes, it exposes the wounds in our heart. It exposes how much my identity is found in wealth, how much my identity is found in relationships, how much my identity is found in work. Because when we experience some suffering and some of those things go, what's left? Is my identity gone because I no longer have wealth? Or am I secure because the thing that my heart treasures most is my Savior, Jesus Christ, and everything that I have in Him? John Piper has another quote. He says, The deep things of life in God are discovered in suffering. Again, it's still speaking into that when hardships come, when suffering comes, when all of a sudden, you know, you're 45 and you get retrenched, That's not a light thing. But if our whole life has been centered around our identity and work and career and wealth, all of a sudden that suffering has exposed how fragile and how temporary the things of the earth is and exposes what we really trust in this life. And again, it exposes, do I trust Jesus? Or do I trust my own abilities? Is my hope in my bank account and the roof over my head? Or is it in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And suffering reveals our hearts. It opens up and lays that bare for us to see ourselves. And it does expose, actually, no, I had been putting my faith and my trust in my own hands and in my own skills and in my own wealth. And my trust has not been in my Savior who provides for me. And see, all the more, it is important for us to actually embrace suffering because that does reveal in us how much we actually trust God and if it can draw us to trusting God more, then yes, uh, suffering is a joy and a blessing to us. 
If you go back and if you look at verses 14 and 15, again, just helping us understand um, suffering properly. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Uh, for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer, a thief, or any kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Stubbing your toe is not suffering for Jesus. Having your wife leave you because you have been having an affair at work is not suffering for the gospel. Crying out because of debt, because of uh, bad financial mismanagement is not suffering for the gospel. This is talking about kind of chosen and unchosen suffering or just and unjust suffering. Some of us are suffering because we actually deserve it. We're suffering because no one likes us at the office uh, because we're jerks for Jesus. And we think that evangelizing is going to everyone and saying, please stop swearing I'm not a Christian, and don't stop, or please stop smoking, I love Jesus. And you just make uh, the whole environment that you work in unbearable, and you say, yay, everyone, um, you, you know, I'm being persecuted for my faith. In fact, you've actually just already uh, not nice person, and nobody actually likes being around you because of uh, how grumpy you are and how you just kind of force stuff down people's throats. Making bad decisions is not suffering for Jesus. And so we also need to understand that. That if um, your family battles with you because of your personality and, and how you've lived out your faith, that is not suffering for Jesus. There are things that qualify as suffering for your faith. And especially if we think about suffering for the name of Jesus, in light of what we spoke about last week, which was bold living, we spoke about a number of ways that we get to engage with culture and how some people do that as maybe that fort mentality where you kind of build this thing around you of, of religion and going, if you want to be like me, if you want to know Jesus, you've got to do all of these things and don't do all of these things. And you create this intense morality and you go, this is what it means to be a Christian. Make it almost impossible to, for people to live up to your standards like the Pharisees. No, that's not bold living. And remember the, uh, the island mentality where we just retreat from culture. Going like, I don't like unbelievers. I don't like people in the world. I don't know how to engage with them. They're not nice people. I'm just going to retreat and have my Christian friends. And that's how we're going to live life. You know, maybe that's uh, kind of violence pushing the agenda of the church with like kind of placards and actually, you know, Christian uh, picketing. It's the weirdest thing ever. But what we are called to do is bold living where we love people boldly, where we do good boldly, and we speak boldly into people because how can they hear if they're not saved? Or how can they be saved if they don't hear the gospel? And if we are being persecuted for bold living, remember we spoke about the best way to engage in culture is the Jesus way. How he was in the world without sin, uh, gentleness, humility, but really engaged well with culture. The people that were not like Jesus liked Jesus. And bold living for our faith and being persecuted for that, well, that's okay. You know, loving people boldly, doing good boldly, 
and really engaging well with culture, but being a, a jerk in our offices and being persecuted for that, no. But then when it comes to maybe unchosen suffering, and this is when it gets quite hectic where that's a tragic car accident, a drunk driver losing control of his vehicle. Uh, That's finding out that you have a terminal illness or someone very dear to you has a terminal illness. That's no one's fault. And I know that is where uh, people really battle with God and when those things happen. I'll just spend a few seconds quickly touching on that. And we are going to deal with it in an apologetic sermon coming later in the year. But even this world groans and longs for the return of Jesus Christ. That even the very earth knows that something is not quite right with this world. And that's the effect of sin. Uh, So much of the suffering that takes place in the world is because of the sin of men. Greed, uh, anger, and we can go on. But sickness is a result of sin because we know when Jesus comes back and there's a new heaven and new earth, one of the the benefits of that is no more suffering, no more sickness, no more pain. We've shared the story before. Imagine that you um, wake up one day or you get home from work and there is an envelope on your bed or on the counter that says uh, your long lost uncle has died leaving you this uh, incredible fortune. You've inherited it all uh, to claim your inheritance. You just need to get uh, to APSA Bank at uh, the Glen. And so you go, fantastic. And so you're quite excited about this. Uh, You climb into your car, but 10 k's away from the Glen, your car breaks down. And you go, oh dear, might as well go home now. And, you know, uh, I'm a little bit sad to have lost out on this uh, massive inheritance. No, what do we do? We've got this letter. We've just got to get to the bank. And so we start to walk. You know, five Ks from the bank, you sprain your ankle. You know, you don't sit down and go, oh, well. You you know, you start to crawl. And we do everything we can to get that inheritance. And with the same thing in mind, when hardship, when pain, even the unchosen suffering and pain that can come to a believer doesn't take away what we have in Christ. Just think, imagine going through life without the hope of glory. Because again, nothing is actually worse than an eternity separated from Jesus. There is nothing that can compare to all eternity separated from Jesus. And so what I experience in this life and the pain and the suffering, whether it's my fault or the fault of someone else's, cannot actually compare to what eternity would be like. And that's why grace is so important when we think of suffering. Because of what Christ experienced on our behalf and the hope that I have in him and the joy of my salvation, I can endure any kind of pain. Because I look at pain with the cross behind me and with eternity before me. And I can endure because I know my God will never forsake me. His wrath was poured out on Jesus and eternity is secure for me. And so I can endure all of that.
All right, we need to end now this morning. There are kind of four levels to suffering. Maybe four approaches that you can take and some decisions that you can make because I'm guaranteed if I can ask how many of you are experiencing some hardship in your life, every hand is going to go up. But four levels to suffering and approaches to suffering that you need to think through this morning and see kind of where you're at and where you want to move to in your suffering. Uh, Level one is saying, God, please take this away. Now, it is not bad to pray, God, I'm experiencing suffering. Please, won't you take this away from me? You are allowed to pray that prayer as a believer. And God does take away suffering. I've heard of people who have prayed, God, take this away, and he has answered that prayer. We are allowed to engage with God in the hardships that we are experiencing and ask God to take them away. A second level to that is saying, God, use the suffering to reveal something in me. Think about uh, John 15, where uh, he is the gardener, we're the vines, and he prunes. That suffering can reveal things in our heart. It can reveal where we have idols, where we're placing our trust, where we're placing our hopes. And if we are experiencing suffering, then instead of praying, God, take this away, Maybe you want to move to a place in your life, well, God, I'm experiencing suffering. Use the suffering to expose in me where I don't trust you. God, use the suffering to prune in me, to to make me more like you. That might be something that you might be new for you in a way that you can engage with your suffering in a way that you never have before. God, use this to reveal things in me. Then uh, level three, Uh, Genesis 50, Uh, this is, it says, what you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. A, A third level to engaging with suffering is to say, God, take the suffering, take my pain, take what has happened to me, and God, use it for your glory. That God, maybe there are other people who have gone through a painful divorce. God, heal this brokenness in me so that I can be hope to many people. God, I've lost a loved one. But there are people who have also loved loved ones, lost loved ones. Won't you use me in their lives? This is saying, God, take my pain, take my brokenness. Use it for your glory. Turn what has happened in my life for good that I can minister to people through my pain, that I can minister to people through my suffering, through my hardship. Again, maybe you've never thought that God could use your pain and your hardships, your brokenness, so that other people can be healed and restored in their own lives. And the fourth level of, of suffering is this is a way for me to know Christ and to have fellowship with him, Philippians chapter 3, it's going to come up on the screen. This is Paul writing, but whatever was to my prophets, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. 
For this sake I have lost all things, and I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Verse 10, and this is an important one. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. The way Paul and he suffered, being shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, publicly whipped. I mean, he was stoned and left for dead on, on three occasions. But that he embraced that and saying that I may share in the fellowship of the suffering of Christ, that I might know him more. For Paul, he rejoiced. He praised God for allowing him to go through suffering. That it's, I'm I'm experiencing you more. I'm understanding you more. I'm knowing you in a way that I never have known you before. That maybe this morning you're willing to say, God, I'm going through some things. I'm actually going to praise you for it and rejoice in the suffering that I'm experiencing because this is allowing me to know you more. And use this pain, use this suffering so that I can know you even better. Now, four levels of suffering before us. God, take it away. God, reveal something in me. Use this for your glory. Or help me to know you more and more. That I might have a deeper intimacy with you. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And that's before you. And I want you to respond as we are praying this morning. And your response in faith is just to stand before the Lord. And, and the challenge is, God, help me. To see my suffering and my hardships differently. And if you are going through some pain, if you are going through um, some difficult and hard times, but you want God to use it in a different way, if you're going, actually, God, I, I want this to be different from now on. It might be that you, you stop praying, God, take this away, but rather reveal something in me. Maybe it's God, turn this pain to be able to minister into someone else's life. Or God, I want to know you more. If you want to take a step in faith in the way that you are experiencing hardships, just stand before the Lord so that we can pray for you this morning. Father God, as people are standing and are experiencing pain, but are standing in faith that that pain might be used in a different way for your glory. Holy Spirit, we set them apart for you and say, Lord God, with the power of your Holy Spirit, whatever they're standing in faith for, that you would enable them to do that for your glory. If it's just to reveal things in them that they need to change for you, then do that, Lord God. If it's so that they can start to minister into the lives of others, that you would do that. Lord God, if it's so that that pain might be used as a way of knowing you more, then you would do that, Lord God. We're so thankful that we can bring this before you and ask you, Lord God, to do something even in our pain and our suffering. And to that we say, amen.